One. Two. Okay. Well, okay. One. Two. Okay. Good enough. Good enough. <laughs> ah. Welcome to the show. Yeah, nice talking to you for the first time. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the main resistance to the existence of this show and the show before it is just that the fact that we have to deal with any sort of program at all puts us in such bad moods. Absolutely. If this was not a podcast, we would be way more successful. Right. Or if we just... I mean, yeah. If this is any other type of media... Well, I don't know about that. If we had, if I had to edit video for this... Dude, I would wouldn't... love to edit video. I live for editing video. I think my comedic timing is in a visual narrative is really choice. You know, that's true. I don't know. Editing video is so tedious. This is ridiculous. We do this every week. We've done this every week. We do week. this for as long as the fucking show has existed. By the time the fall rolls around, we'll have done this stupid show or the other stupid show for five years. And I don't think a single week has gone by that we haven't talked about about making the podcast what a miserable like, experience this is <laughs> fucking sucks unless people just crave this type of conversation they want to know everything that we experience on a daily basis in terms of trying to get this ship to sail i think we're a cautionary tale definitely don't we're try such it it's a long lasting we're, we're we're like the moral we of the story is pathetic and sad there's been no victory there's been no change if anything, my setup has gotten drastically worse in five years. I'm running on a fucking... I have two different microphones, two different sets of headphones. I have a pair of earbuds in my ear, headphones over those earbuds, and I'm running this on an iPad and on a computer at the same time. <laughs> and if you ask me to look anything up during the course of this recording, I will have to do it on my phone. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. I was. I have a tweet saved in my draft that I wrote just three minutes ago, and it's like <laughs> my shit is so whack. Like I can't fix my shit or something. I don't know. Your tweets have yeah. been bold lately. They have been just bold. How do you mean? Because I really. Let me use my phone to pull up an example. Because here's my thing. My every time I see, because I've been doing something I tried, I've tried in the past not to do, which is just engaging dumbasses on the internet. <laughs> and literally every time I tweet something at one of these people, I'm like, well, that's the end of it. I'm never going to hear from this fucker again. And then four minutes later, I get something and I'm like, are you kidding me? You're still arguing this? Fuck. And that ends up being like a 45 minute interaction every uh, single time. I can't do it. Oh, no. It, uh, it, Discord says my connection is struggling. Uh Oh, oh you're still here. Maybe Discord's yes. just fronting. Sounds like it. Oh, it went away. I think we're good. Okay, one, you've been retweeting Lucas the Magnificent again, which is weird, because that's <laughs> been a long time. He's back on Twitter. Uh, how long was he gone? Like, a period of months. I've, I'm retweeting his old shit, but uh, let's see. Okay, Most recent. perfect example. Can't find ham sanitizer fucking anywhere. <laughs> That is not bold. It's stupid. It's like, it's a brand of and so on. Twitter that hasn't existed in four to six years. 
I, th- that kind, that brand of Twitter is always what I aspired to be. I just wasn't funny and was bad at it. You, you're funny when you want to be. You just like stop doing it for a long time. It's like I'm back in I'm back in a Twitter mood. I guess like I don't know. Good. Because when I tweet, I tend to tweet a lot. Was the Young Thug tweet ironic? No, dude. Do you want to talk about Young Thug? I don't know anything about Young Thug. I assume that he is youthful and also engaged in criminal activity. Uh, okay, so Young Thug is not that young. He's, like, in his 30s. Number one, he is... Okay, so, he's funny as fuck. Like, this is a perfect example of... When my brother explained this to me, this is what sold me on Young Thug. Like, first of all, his ad-libs in all of his songs are fucking hilarious. Like, uh in the, he's got one song called check and like it's just like all the usual rap tropes about like a big check which is the song and like all his ad-libs are like sheesh like it's just like d- like midwestern weird shit uh he wore a like a full-on dress you would love it look up young thug dress um to some event or something and they asked him why he wore a dress to this thing and it was because he said he was hiding his ak like under the dress like he is fucking pushing the medium forward for men's fashion like he found a gangster way to wear a fucking dress to the grammys or whatever it like he's totally he's totally next level he's like so ironic he's not um and he's also extraordinarily prolific like there have been more songs leaked by people like in his studio or working oh. on his album than he's released on his own. Oh, the like, call dropped he, everybody. He's constantly making call music and he's like dropped. he's dropped very particular the about the mixing. The he's always on we top of it like it's and, and uh, he's just funny. Call. He's hilarious. I, I don't call. know. Shall we try Did to you get look it up back? Thug dress? You tell me. Are you there? Uh Hello? Chuan and Chuan. Are we back? Sorta. Oh boy. What was the last thing you heard? Oh, uh, I got a lot of the Young Thug spiel, but it all came out as Stephen Hawking nonsense. I have no idea what you said about him, and I didn't want to interrupt. Let me tell you, this happens a lot on this podcast where you will be saying things and you'll either cut out or be in robot voice, and I just pray that it goes away soon enough that I can kind of make heads or tails of what you were saying so that we can act like nothing happened. Because nothing is worse than me going, Gabe, 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 I can't hear you, Gabe. Like, I just roll through it. I don't fucking... Half of these conversations haven't even been had. That's true. We've kept our cost to a minimum. A very, very, very bare minimum. (laughs) Yeah. I wish... Man, it would if somebody gave us a dollar, if Gentleman dropped a dollar in front of me, we would have made money, more money <laughs> more on the show we than we spent. spent. That's absolutely true. Honestly, if that cord for that snowball is over like thirty dollars, I doubt I'll ever buy it. <laughs> yeah, um, I went and got a new microphone, but that was primarily just to have an excuse to go to Best Buy. That 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 had nothing to do with. You need my an show. excuse to go to Best Buy. I mean, you can't. The, the The current model demands that you spend money to be in public spaces. That's true. And now let me tell you, with the money I spent on this micro microphone, I could I spent the next three days in Best Buy. I was drastically less social when I was like miserably poor. 
Yeah. Because my option was go to McDonald's but and talk to people, but I can't afford to eat McDonald's, and I don't want to just sit there. Or stay home, and so I just stay home, because I don't like to go... Like, I, you know this about me. I don't really hang out with people unless we're going out to eat. Yeah. If I just go to your house to chill, we are either really, really tight, or uh, I need something out of you. I don't know what it is. Oh, Can speaking you, of, uh, yeah, speaking uh, of, uh, exploit us and so on and so on. Has been he's stuck in and so on for an indefinite amount of time thanks to this virus. Um, he came back to get his wisdom teeth out because it's a good idea to have someone to like, kind of watch over you for about twenty four hours after you get your wisdom teeth out, and so he didn't have anybody to do that in New Jersey. Which means he landed back here for the surgery, and then the corona thing hit, and New York, where he works, is obviously on, like, lockdown. So they were like, hey, everybody, work from home. And he was like, hey, I'm in Salina, Kansas, which is probably safer than New York. Can I work from here? And they were like, sure, do whatever you need to. So I got so back for a while. We had, of course, Dang. Schlotsky's. What I find funny about Critique is that he lives in New York City. He, he, he the, the, like, the land of deli sandwiches and when he comes back to town the first place on his mind is fucking Schlotsky's like Schlotsky's is good but is New York really that much like of an overblown facade I don't I don't know I don't know I I can't imagine you need you, and so on he's thoroughly westernized and yeah like <laughs> I don't know like I feel like you appreciate a good sandwich. I'm someone that will go ape shit over a good sandwich. I think the sandwich is maybe the perfect food. Um, I but yeah, I don't know. Sandwich. Yeah, like there was this one place in Denver, like an Italian meat shop that had fucking sandwiches, and they went like like baseball bats. These things were. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Slotsky's is good. Why, why are you? Why are you talking like? <laughs> Huh? That exclamation was so like caricature of an old Jewish man. <laughs> Just the way you structured <laughs> you that know. sentence, like baseball bats, these things were. Like, Dude, I don't. What's I, happening I, to I have, you with this new roommate? I have been leaning into just odd little turns of phrase like that. Like I have always had an appreciation. I will intentionally, if I am talking about surveillance or something like that. I will not say it's a state of the art system. I say state of the craft because I think it is an, ins an insult to art to call making cameras art. That is a craft. That is a trade. <laughs> and so I, I like to take language that is, you know, just common uh, and invert it. And like, I don't know, there's this great scene in King of the Hill um, <laughs> where, <laughs> where Bobby's More than like one. Make yeah, <laughs> where Bobby's like making fun of not even making fun, but he's got, like, some old Jewish relative or friend or something, and he's just like, you want that? I should come over there! And, like, yeah. th that is a running joke in my fucking family. Like, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> Shit like that. I thought funny. about picking up... I thought about picking up Yiddish, uh, just to start to create, like, a persona that's totally not real for new people that I meet. Uh-huh. I think... I mean, obviously, you can appropriate some cultures, the ones that... You know, that we just... I don't know what the rules are, but they're understood. If I start using if, Yiddish in my day-to-day -day life more so than everyone does, because everyone uses a little Yiddish, then nobody's going to complain. Nobody's going to come for I me. Can, 
I can tell you this much. If they cannot put a country to the language or a language to the country, then it's definitely fair game. Uh, well, that's messy right there, because let me tell you, they've been trying. <laughs> well, how do you mean? They've been working on that one, getting that old country. Uh... Uh, what, what are you saying? Because what I'm saying is you can make, a, the average American can make fun of, for example, example Belgium, because they speak French in Belgium, but not the average American, like, n- walking down the street would know that necessarily. They don't know where the fuck Belgium is. It's totally fair game. That's true. I make fun of Belgium a lot. And, and I guess and I don't know, like, what, what exactly is Yiddish used in Israel? I, like, why does Yiddish exist? What is Yiddish's relationship to Hebrew? These are all questions that I have and that we're going to learn about together. See, through cultural appropriation, I have decided to educate myself so that I can better pretend to be Jewish. I'm telling you, man, I've been watching... I gotta thank you for mostly getting me into Zizek. Uh, he's fucking awesome. <laughs> I've just been main-veining. Like, I've watched probably four hours of Zizek interviews in the last, like, 48. Hell yeah. He's brilliant. He's great. He's very good. Um, he's... he's Yeah. <laughs> the, the problem that you'll run into as you continue to watch more is that he's been kind of giving the same lecture for the last four or five years. And so you'll just start yeah. to get a lot of things repeated. I think as of late, like his slightly fresher stuff, there's a little bit of an expansion on that. But when you couple that with reading his books, which is just like a way expanded version of the things he's talking about in his talks, you end up hearing it a lot, which is beneficial mm-hmm. because it helps to hear it a lot to really start to grasp it. I mean, there are certain talking points of his that I didn't feel like I understood until very recently or that I'm still wrapping my head around that I've heard him say a million times. But you kind of need to wait for that million and first till it clicks sometimes. Like that um, that quote I put on Twitter the other day that from uh, Alenka Zupancic, who is another Slovenian philosopher and another um, uh, Lacanian and a good friend of his, um, possibly a student of his, I'm not sure, uh, about um, how we need to create the thing that we stand to lose when facing a crisis. I don't know if you saw the thread. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I read that, that book and I took that picture I posted back in the summer because that quote really stood out to me, but I didn't necessarily have... Um, an application for it directly at the time and now you know all these months later like creeping up on a year since i actually encountered it it was like okay this is what we're seeing right now um Mm -hmm. very specifically and now i have something that i could use to help me word my exact thoughts on this situation uh and i have a lot of those moments with his work which is pretty cool yeah yeah um yeah, what I've in in watching his interviews, what I have un- I, I've kind of, I've understood very quickly is like, oh, I've got to go read the books. Like, there's, I mean, first of all, between, because I am not, I had only a tertiary understanding of what Hegel and Lacan wrote about, even in high school when I was in the height of like debate, which is the only application I ever had for it. Like so, I've you got had to an get understanding cr- of what Hegel wrote about because I've looked well, uh, at no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, like I, I've looked at Hegel's work and I, I can't touch it. Like I can't even. Really? Okay, because I was going to ask you for like a basic rundown of Hegel and Lacan because they're referenced so often, and I just don't really like. I mostly like pretty sure they wrote in the vein of like Marxist thought. Not really sure. I would sound like a fool if I even attempted. For, to give you a heads up, my brother, who's much better versed in philosophy than I am, recently tried to sit down and read Hegel and had with the the book an accompanying like like breakdown and analysis of the book that attempts to mm-hmm. put it into slightly more plain terms, and he still was unable to get through it. Like, it is 
absurdly heady stuff, and, I mean, widely influential, but just, like, too much for me to deal with right now. And I don't think that it yeah. is absolutely essential for reading the Zizek that is more, like, politically focused, which is the stuff that I've been getting into. I haven't read any of his purely philosophical works or any of the things that really made him his name yet, and I don't know how inclined I am to do so, but for stuff like Thief in Broad Daylight, Courage of Hopelessness, and stuff from the last couple of years, um, I don't think you need it. You definitely need it if you want to have a full understanding of what he's writing about, and he would probably argue that, you know, uh, you should have that understanding, but I'm sure he also understands that it's not super accessible to a lot of people, which is my beef with philosophy in general. Um, but yeah, Lacan is easier um, I don't. I haven't looked into Lacan a lot, but it's if you wanted to start somewhere to expand your understanding, definitely start there. Um, hell, even looking okay. at looking into Althusser was confusing, which I had to do briefly to understand. I ran into a fucking passage in Courage of Hopelessness that I took a picture of because it was just so like I am thoroughly lost. I I've <laughs> yeah. never felt so completely like no matter how many times I read the sentences. There are so many, he has established so many new rules in this chapter, and he has made so many references to things. All these rules are predicated on stuff that I haven't learned. It's like when you're going through a Wikipedia article, like maybe on Yiddish or something, that I might happen to have opened up in front of me right now, and you run into a phrase that you don't understand, so you have to open it in a new tab, and then you hop over to that tab and you read it. Now there's three new tabs from that that you need to go and read before you can understand this tab to understand what you were looking at originally. Mm -hmm. That's Zizek, except you can't right-click and open up a tab in a book. So what's the game? The game is that every single time we cut out or there was like technology forces us to, 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 to cut a conversation topic up into pieces on accident, we just shift gears entirely. We just have to talk about something else. That's That works. That's fine. Okay. Starting uh, now. Okay. One thing. Can, can we still talk about Zizek? For now, like I have a, I have a, okay, I have a point on Zizek that is different than like Lacan and everything. One thing I had, what, what stood out to me most was the, just like how entirely fucking reasonable he is. Um, and the the first time I heard him say anything that I like had to be like, huh, okay, like let me think about this for a second in terms of like maybe disagreeing with him. Um, was he started talking about incels and like how that is not. He, he said it was, like, this wonderful thing where, like, they are... He doesn't buy that they're all neo-fascists right off the bat. He says that they are taking something that is, like, a pretty terrible existence. Like, living in a culture that is, like, so hypersexualized and, like, yada, yada, yada. Um, and he didn't really get to expand on that just because it was a little side thing. Um, but I was like, huh, okay, like, what is incelism like symptomatic of and like how do you how do you fucking square that against everything else like what sort of tolerances do you do you allow that because i had automatically assumed to fly, like wrongly so that like if like pretty much every incel is gonna be like a fascist basically that wants a fucking handmaid's tale style you know society um and i was like huh damn okay like I'm going to have to see if he has anything more to say about that, because that's fucking... I was like, shit. Yeah, I think I watched the lecture that he touched on that on, because he didn't say much more than that, and I haven't encountered him talking about it elsewhere. Um, but it's very like him to attempt to look at 
the cause of any particular social phenomenon. That's what he's made a living doing for a long time. Um, so if it is of interest, significant interest to him, maybe he'll talk more about it. Maybe he'll it'll appear in a book. But as of right now, I can't expand on his thoughts beyond, I guess, that. Um, but yeah. yeah, when I, I mean, when I got into him and started reading him like last year, uh, there was a point where I sort of started to think like, oh, this is the only guy who really makes sense right now in his own bizarre way. You know, I can't always make heads or tails of what he's saying, but I, when I can, it seems pretty, like, pretty, it's extremely sound. Like, it's very rationally based. He is not the type, he is, he is absolutely willing to change his positions when, when necessary, but it doesn't happen often because his positions are the type that probe into something, uh, I think several levels deeper than a lot of people are necessarily comfortable looking into it, um, mm -hmm. to a degree that unveils more truth about the situation. And I believe that's a psycho, that's the psychoanalysis background coming in. Um, but it was, it was the consistent sort of thread that ran through his work. Every topic that he talked on, um, he hit it from different angles where he would, I mean, a lot of the times he pulls out sort of like looking at the, the, the obverse of what is being said or the obverse of what is um, expected to motivate certain behaviors or certain trends and trying to see what that reveals, which is, I think, the Freudian background. And the insights are always really, really interesting and fresh and make a lot of sense. Um, and it's because he's willing to consider those things and probably because he does enjoy being provocative and he knows how a lot of the times those takes can come off um, despite Oh my God! Sometimes, the just the worst backlash from not even backlash. Have Have you ever watched? Have you watched many interviews with him? Interviews with sorry, oh, who? Jesus. Zizek <laughs> interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I've been watching. Um, have you like on news programs, shorter things? Uh oh, no, no, no. Yeah, there's one in particular. There are a few like this, but there is a particularly horrible Slavoj Žižek interview where um, I think it might have been someone with the Young Turks. Or no, it was Al Jazeera. I think it was Al Jazeera. And he's being interviewed by this guy who's basically taking quotes from his book, um, removing them from their context because their context is, is long and heady, and mm -hmm. then throwing them at Žižek as if, uh, uh, the statements themselves, which are almost always written to provoke, are uh, exactly his intent. So, and then basically comparing him to, I think at the time, Marine Le Pen, he'll like pick a quote out of the book and go, okay, I I'm reading this quote about immigrants. Is that not exactly what Marine Le Pen would have said? And then Zizek tries to go like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you know Zizek feels genuinely sort of flustered by someone's um, uh, mischaracterization when he throws out the wait a minute's. Wait, I mean, it. Mm -hmm. that is a common Zizek phrase, but, um, and he's not allowed to explain himself. He's not given the time to defend himself because the journalist is just interested only in characterizing him as poorly as possible. And since they were talking yeah. about a book I've actually read, it comes off really bad. It's just like, this is the exact opposite of what this man was saying. Um, if you would read the full, well, probably chapter, you can't really just get it out of a whole passage, but if you read the whole fucking chapter and do your job to, understand the work of the person you're bringing on to talk about it then you would know this but 
it, it just feels like a hit piece. And he's had that experience more and more with most journalism nowadays that he's not really published by anybody. I think that he'll still get published by the independent as far as like Western, Western journalism goes. But other than that, a lot of his stuff pretty much just shows up in the Russian times, which is problematic yeah. for its own reasons. But they don't like if they I feel like if they censored him in any way, um, he probably wouldn't work for them anymore or work with them anymore. But yeah, mm-hmm. journalists yeah. have it out for the guy. Yeah, dude, I, we'll come back to the journalist thing, because, um, yeah, them. Uh, yeah, basically, my whole, like, fascination with and education in philosophy was I read, like, two pages of Baudrillard four years ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since, and I'm like, holy shit, like, Disneyland and fucking gardens and suburbia and, like, da-da-da-da-da. And, like, Zizek, I used to like it 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 is so the 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 movement for me from like being like oh Zizek like he's fucking he's out there man to being like no he actually like is he makes perfect fucking sense like it was so subtle like i i couldn't place it within a timeline but like he was talking about the difference between like uh german toilets and french toilets and yeah. american toilets and i was like oh like fucking like that's perfect like i love those little tiny just like i mean he talks about it all the time just those little like how ideology affects day-to-day life and i'm like that i act i buy that like that makes sense to me he's fucking yeah yeah i mean just like little shit like that like that is exactly what baudrillard was all about like these little like daily things like look at how reality is constructed like do you see these implications that it makes for you and zizek is like yeah fucking exactly my relationship with Zizek was developed in the exact same way and at the exact same time as my relationship with Zoil, which is this horrible prog rock music genre that's very off-putting and difficult to listen to at first. Um, and mm-hmm. so it was kind of like, Zizek's a meme, haha, yeah, he's a funny guy with eccentricities, he's probably smart, but I'm not going to get into it. And then it became like, oh, Zizek is the only person on Earth who makes any real sense anymore. <laughs> Um, yeah. And that's how Zoyle was for a minute. It was like, yeah, this is a joke. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. And then it was, oh, this is all I could listen to right now, which thankfully has ended. But, but yeah, definitely Zizek's the Zoyle of political philosophers. Yeah. Totally crazy. Totally crazy. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so journalists, I tweeted about this the other day, but like, they do fucking suck at their job. Like, there really has to be some sort of, like, I don't know what it would require. Maybe, I mean, my immediate thought is always, like, okay, well, like, a state-funded, like, protected organization or something. But you can't have state-sponsored media because that because NPR is fucking evil or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, like, the whole Bernie thing is just, we can keep talking about it, or we can't. We don't have to, but it's just, like, so transparent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have tons of side-by-side comparisons about how people are trying to spin things. You have people talking about Joe Biden in the most positive light possible. I mean, hell, uh, apparently Joe Biden has started to co-opt um, existing plans. Like, uh, like he's he has um, uh, he has absorbed Elizabeth Warren's bankruptcy plan now as part of his official platform. I think that he is, there was another one that he is starting to take over that was actually a Sanders plan from 2017, um, which is one of the reasons, I think the debate has just started, I kind of want to watch it, but, uh, and I would not be surprised if, moving forward, 
the attention that he got because of those specific decisions in the media, in particular with the 2017 Sanders plan, um, was to paint him as some sort of enlightened progressive, whereas Bernie Sanders, who literally wrote the thing, will be seen as this obviously, you know, crazy radical extremist, whatever the hell. Um, whether it's just them not giving him enough coverage or it's the way in which they see him. I mean, hell, I was watching Joe Biden on uh, MSNBC at the gym the other day, which was my mistake, and they basically brought him on for 20 minutes to air whatever grievances he wanted to about Bernie Sanders. It was 20 minutes to have Joe Biden on trying to make him look good, no hardball questions, lots of questions that were just set up for him to take a dig at Sanders uh, uh, to his heart's content. And all the pundits on MSNBC have effectively come out at this point and stated, like, how they feel about him. And this is supposed to be, I mean, people thought that this was the, the Fox News of the left, but it's not the left. It's of liberals. It's uh, it, mm -hmm. it, Chris Matthews has gone full fucking mask off with all this shit. Um, he thinks that Bernie Sanders is going to be the end of America. And, I mean, just complete hysteria about it. And they're not even trying to cover it up anymore. And the thing is, the more that you get mad at them, despite as much evidence as you have that this is what's going on, the more inclined they seem to be, like it entitles them then to give Bernie Sanders worse coverage. It's like, hmm, they criticized me for being unfair to Bernie, so now I have the right to be as unfair to Bernie as I want to. Uh, yeah. Which is such a huge... I mean, I don't need to talk about how big of a problem it is that we've lost the media as the reliable, whatever, secret fourth arm of the government as it was supposed to be by the founding fathers whatever the hell that was probably never valid in the first place but it's really sad and despicable and the consequences of this development show themselves more and more every day they've shown themselves for the last decade um but i don't know what to do about it i mean i like democracy now even democracy now is kind of like the gloves are off they had, I watched a debate they had with Cornell West and Bobby Rush the other day, which I think we talked about on the last episode of the show that got fucking trashed for no reason. Um, uh, mm -hmm. But even like uh, Amy Goodman, I think is her name, who runs Democracy Now!, was basically uh, argue, starting to argue with Bobby Rush in favor of Bernie Sanders on the show. She was supposed to be the moderator, the mediator, the person, you know, just sort of kind of trying to continue a discussion, but she was taking her chance to specifically counter points that he would make in favor of Bloomberg, for whom he was uh, campaign chair. And, I mean, good for her. People will now level probably claims of media bias at Democracy Now! And at a certain point, I wish that they would... I don't know if I want them to stay as unbiased and respectable as possible so that I can continue to point them out as a reliable news source, or if I want them to just get into the, the fight with everybody else because at least they're on our side, but it's it, it's just a mess. Everything's a mess. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's kind of the question for me. Like, t do you vote for Joe if he gets the nomination? Like, do you legitimize the process? Or is it like, are we going to try and start a new fucking party? Because, like, this is it. Like, come on. Oh, definitely. You walk away. We have to walk away. This is the end. Like, like I, I've said this before, I'm sick of, I feel like we're, we're sitting here watching our wives get fucked, um, by just the Democratic <laughs> we're, Party we're establishment. We're getting cucked! We've been getting, and I hate that language because you know exactly what type of people I it do calls too. to mind, but that is what is happening. Um, 
we mm-hmm. are we are watching the Democratic Party establishment by you know by all the candidates that dropped out and immediately backed Joe Biden by everything that the uh, the Democratic Party has done to try and facilitate Joe Biden as a candidate everything it's done since 2016 to try and undermine and uh, 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 cripple Bernie Sanders as a candidate um, we are watching this happen and at the end of the day despite everything that they've done to counter my desires as a member of the voting populace counter my will the will of millions of people um and what we firmly believe is the you know the the moral standpoint in this if there can be one in politics if there's ever been one in american politics well that's maybe an exaggeration but in my lifetime this this is one of them uh, this is a moral this is as close to a moral platform as we've seen um and the fact that I am expected to, no matter how this blows over, capitulate to the people who have been actively sabotaging my voice and my choice the whole time um, is, I think it's asking too much of me. And I understand the arguments about the Supreme Court. I understand the arguments about the long-lasting ramifications. But I am telling you that you need to see things, you need to expand even further beyond that. Because yes, it could have strong implications if, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, as she likely will, in the next four years, and Trump is president, then we will have a very stacked conservative Supreme Court that will make decisions that will directly affect the lives of tons of people uh, negatively. But this feels like an important, like the potential of the Bernie Sanders moment feels too important to just drop it when this all falls off i feel like if we go and we elect another centrist in joe biden and we all bow down to the will of the democratic party because we were too scared to stand up against them or we felt too blackmailed by the future that trump stood to create um then we have lost this opportunity and we're going to go on to continue inside this cycle of destructive capitalism not that bernie sanders is going to bring an end to capitalism but it's an important foot in the door will just continue to go on into the cycle of destructive capitalism that is ultimately going to reap ramifications far beyond even the horrible things that could happen under a highly conservative Supreme Court. I mean, we don't have it. There's no capitalist solution to the economic crisis that we're facing. There simply isn't. Uh, uh, Capitalism is a system that relies on a twisted, um, rotten morality that has to i mean it it needs there to exist the oppressed and the oppressors it relies on that dynamic it actively feeds into and feeds off of that dynamic and as long as we continue to vote for these people who are so proudly defenders of it we will continue to support that exact system where we have people who die for no reason where we have this horrible allocation of resources and this is nothing that you don't know and the few people that listen to our show would probably just nod their heads and they've heard all this before. But still, I feel like people do not understand what they are asking of me when they are asking me to capitulate, to vote blue no matter who, to go and 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 just fall in line with whatever it may be, because they're not willing to operate outside of the rules of American reality as they've known it so far which is that capitalist system. That's why I like Bernie Sanders, because he's the only candidate who steps outside of that system and is willing to look at it holistically and critique it. Everybody else thinks that it will continue to lead us to salvation in its own ways. 
and salvation for those people is usually success within the system. It's monetary success at the expense of others. And we need somebody now more than ever who can step out and say, this is unsustainable, this is cruel, this is immoral, and this has to change from the ground up, starting somewhere. And I want to be able to vote for someone who will start somewhere. I don't want to continue to perpetuate something that definitely leads to a dead end. And I mean dead end, you know? And I know you feel the same way. But Full like, dead. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. Because, like, the... I mean, I do know, like, fully agreed fucking... This is... Enough. Enough's enough. But, like, one thing Zizek always talks about is, like, in Tahrir Square in Egypt, in Egypt, like, all these people, like, you know, arm in arm, oh, we've overcome the regime, yada, yada. And he was like, don't fall in love with yourselves. Like, the day after the revolution is what fucking matters and is always where these revolutions fail. Like, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. Because I'm not really sure... We talked about this a little bit on the last episode, which I think is lost. Um, I haven't... Like, I'm not going to tug at bryson's coattails for it yeah and it's only 25 <laughs> minutes anyway so who, who gives a shit um but like do you do you adopt the existing infrastructure of a socialist party in the u.s or do you like try and get because i as i'm pretty happy with bernie's campaign staff as far as they're like they're the only campaign that hasn't done just some cringy ass shit with bernie like flip like doing the fucking nay nay in front of a giant inflatable dog or whatever like i i like their messaging i think they're pretty on point with that i don't know what kind of like i mean i maybe we're we should probably it shouldn't even be having this conversation just because i don't know what political organization on a national scale for a new party looks like at all um yeah but i don't know yeah i'm down with yeah. it yeah i mean it. the the big socialist option is the DSA, and Max and I are currently... In fact, I think we're going to have that meeting this Wednesday, assuming he doesn't cancel it because of corona, but I don't know why he would. It'd be a meeting of, like, ten people. But Brother and I are going to... Um, we're forming an organizing committee to possibly start up a local chapter of the DSA. I think you need, like, five people to do a committee and 15 people to have an actual... Like, an actual chapter started. Um, but... Mm -hmm. There are tons of problems that I've encountered that are being leveled at the DSA itself. Um, a lot of underrepresentation of minority groups. Uh, I mean, there's tons of criticism that the DSA is just actively very white, that people don't like the way it, it runs things, whatever the hell. So I don't know. It also has the burden of being an existing socialist organization. Unfortunately, socialism right. as a word is a burden in the United States of America. And I don't think that we can overcome that burden easily, even among people who have been ready to back Bernie Sanders, um, because what Bernie Sanders represents is not uh, I mean, what he calls for is not socialism in a true sense. And I mean, one of the big issues is that people can't even agree on what socialism means. Socialists can't agree mm -hmm. on what socialism means. Uh, uh, people who have spent their whole lives discussing politics can't agree on what socialism means. But it means different things to different people, and the, the socialism that Bernie Sanders advocates is very different than the socialism that, like, my brother advocates. Um, they just use the mm -hmm. same word. Uh, but point being, as a result of the Cold War and McCarthyism and all that shit, the long-lasting impact of that is that anything socialist, anything communist, anything that people that can be painted as extremely left-leaning, even when it's not, will be viscerally and at an instinctual level 
rejected by many, many Americans because they've been raised to believe no. evil even when they don't know what it is. It's like that time I was observing at there? a Catholic school back in college. Uh, I was in an art class, and there was this middle schooler. It was during the 2016 election, and he said, uh, they were talking about the election, and he said, well, whatever you do, you can't vote for Bernie Sanders because he's a socialist. Shit, are you messaging me? Uh, just keep talking. Okay, he said, whatever you do, don't vote for Bernie Sanders because he's a socialist. And this is one of the only times I talked to the students because I wasn't supposed to. I was just supposed to kind of observe. But I stepped in and I said, okay, but what does that mean? And the kid paused for a second and then went, it doesn't matter what it means. Because he had no idea. Uh, All he'd heard is that his parents were against it, were against the idea of it, probably told him that it would ruin America. And I bet that his parents have no idea what it means, or at least that if they have some idea what it means... It runs drastically like counter to what the DSA thinks it means, or even what Bernie Sanders had intended, or what my brother would intend. I mean, nobody's on the same page, and that's the big problem. It's similar to the, the fucking argument I get into all the time about gender versus sex. How half of the people on who want to argue about it on Facebook think that gender and sex are the same thing, but for like literally 80 years, there have been sociological distinctions between the uses of the two words. And if we could just come together and understand what that means, it's much easier to have that conversation, and it's much easier to convince people that gender is a social construct, because gender is not sex. Gender is literally how you choose to express yourself along lines that have been traditionally identified with sex, but it's a completely different thing. Same thing travels with socialism. If we could get on the same fucking page for what we want, and we could make what we want a platform that is relevant to people or that resonates with people, like Bernie Sanders' platform has, then I think maybe we could overcome that actual label. But at this point, you probably watched the Shishek lecture, right? The one where the guy is interviewing him at the end after he talks and asking him, like, why continue to insist on the label of communist? He argues that Zizek mm-hmm, has yeah, this, yeah. like, Soviet nostalgia or whatever the hell, which I think was stupid. But, um, right. and in a way, perhaps that's, maybe that question is valid. Because the communist label in much of the Western world does have this gigantic burden attached to it. Its history is extremely murky. And again, you can get in the weeds about what the difference between communism, Marxism, Stalinism, Maoism, um, uh, fucking Juche, whatever the fuck. All of it. You can get mm-hmm. into the weeds about all that stuff. But at the end of the day, everybody can still point to this broad idea of what is communism and say it's killed this many people. So it's you know it's led to this much mass starvation. It's never worked. And then I'm over here like, oh, but when it wasn't really communism, that was you know. And nobody, it, it doesn't. It's not a strong place to start. And I think we need a better place to start. And I don't know if that means leaving this baggage behind. As stupid as that is, you'd think people would just be able to like read a book and fucking know what we're talking about. <laughs> And or maybe understand yeah. that hmm, perhaps perhaps millions of people are not actively advocating uh, 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 the 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 murdering of America's wealthy. Maybe that's not the populist platform that Bernie Sanders is running on. Perhaps you can tell that because Bernie Sanders had never come out and said that we should uh, storm the houses of rich people, burn them down, and then you know kill them and their families. He, uh, but that is what people seem to think he wants, simply because that is what they think it means to be socialist in some weird way shape or form uh and i don't know how to get rid of that i don't know how to get over that and that's like literally step one so yeah the questions are big and the answers are troubling and i don't have any of them but the point is that we cannot we can no longer simply do nothing and we can no longer continue to ride this train yeah 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I only got about half of that, but I think I understood the general thesis of it. Um, wait, wait, you couldn't hear me? Huh? <laughs> you got it. Change it up. What? <laughs> um, I have a couple things written down here. We could talk about Corona. I mean, that's what I've been doing all day. I do that with binary logic and so on. All through lunch. Yeah. Well, it How has now directly I mean, affected me. Yeah. 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 Um, so they, my, I have to go on. So I saw a thing. It was an article in the New York Times. And this is not information that the CDC has published. But the article was uh, information taken from a phone call with like cdc representatives on it like top people discussing like um basically they had like four stages of this thing four possible scenarios um and the worst case scenario was assuming that no vaccine is developed um over the course of the next year and a half 50 to 70 percent of the u.s population will get the virus uh with a one percent mortality rate that's 1.6 million people in a year and a half, which is a lot. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a ton. And I, so I, I, I think it's advisable it... to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, I'm not taking it seriously on the level that a lot of people are, which is where it's causing this sort of constant sense of anxiety. And I think part of that is because I already right. have a constant sense of anxiety. And so this just isn't registering in the same way as you would think like a global pandemic is. But I trace that back to kind of my relationship with anger, which is that, you know, when like big events happen or people die or something, I don't have a huge emotional reaction to it. But, you know, if the batteries on my TV remote stop working, I'll fly into a rage sometimes. Um, I'm kind of treating this the mm -hmm. same way. And that's not to say I'm not taking it seriously and that I'm not following what's going on and I'm not trying to understand how it works. Um, I saw like what really hit it for me was that I saw the other day a uh, a graph, an infographic that tracked number of cases per day since I think the beginning of February. And for much of February, it was basically and it was by country. It was like, OK, there's one new case in the United States starting in the middle of February. We've got our first case. OK, the next day there were two new cases. The next day there was one new case. The next day there were two new cases. And it did that for a while. And then it was like, OK, eight new cases. OK, 10 new cases today, 10 new cases today. Okay, 50 new cases today. All right, now we saw 150 new cases this day. We saw another 100 new cases today. So on and so forth into March. And it's been going on in America for like a couple of weeks. But the number of new cases each day is increasing drastically mm -hmm. because it's an exponential growth sort of thing. I mean, you can infect... Each person right. that's infected can infect multiple people. The United States is not doing everything it needs to do to test and identify who has it. Um, and so it's getting spread around probably more so than we even have registered. Those numbers chance almost certainly are lowballing it because we haven't tested enough people to know for sure. Uh, but everyone who has it that hasn't mm -hmm. been identified is out actively effect infecting people right now. And it will continue to be like that as time goes on. Um, so coupled with the fact that we're not handling it as well as we should be, um, yeah, it's something to take very seriously. I mean, even if it's 2% kill rate, like, fully took effect, we did as poorly as possible, and 2% of the United States died, that's millions of people, right? I mean, that's a huge number of yeah. individuals that will have been that, killed yeah, that's more as than a result of this virus. People. Yeah, which is devastating. Um, it, I mean, it's crazy to think about. So, yeah, there are a lot of people yeah. who aren't taking it seriously, and you'll see them online. I'm not 
I'm not taking it so seriously that I feel like I need to be, you know, punching out panic into the open, which some of my dad's Facebook friends are. I'm not even taking it so seriously that I wouldn't go get lunch with and so on or something. Because right now we're in Africa and so on and so on. Um, it's not nearly as bad as a lot of places on Earth. We've had a few confirmed cases in West Berlin and so on. And I think a confirmed death as of a few days ago. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not freaking out, but I am paying attention. And I think that that's what we should be doing. I mean, I'm staying inside as much as I ever was, but I don't like a crowd in the first place. So I don't really, I don't feel that affected. Mm -hmm. If given the opportunity to go to hell, since I'm now out of work this week, uh, because they canceled school uh, for the next week, at least. Dad seems confident they'll extend it. I don't know. The original plan was that uh, they were going to extend it one day because we're just coming off of spring break. And all staff would go in tomorrow so we could kind of like get briefed on what the plan was going forward. But earlier today, they just said, no, cancel school for a week. Um, so between that, I'm kind of like, okay, no money. I don't know if I'm getting paid for this week, but I'm assuming right now, no. And conventions are getting canceled left and right all across the country. So that's my other source of revenue, and that's no longer reliable. Um, so, yeah, I'm being affected by it, but I still am fortunate enough that I don't feel like I need to freak out at this moment. And, yeah, if I get it, I'm not going to die. If you get it, you're not going to die. I still have many old people in my life whom I care for deeply. Um and who mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to go fucking visit in the next couple of weeks just to make sure that I don't accidentally give them coronavirus. But, like, I don't exactly yeah. know how to feel. I think, I think I've found the right balance with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not particularly worried about it in terms of, like, a health, like, my own health and safety thing, obviously. Um, I do live with a lady that's over 60, so, like, mm. she has, like, sanitizing wipes at the door and so like when i come in i wipe my hands and everything um i don't really think it's that big a deal she's a dentist and her practice is shut down for the next two weeks at least um there are a couple school districts around here that have shut down as far as i know my school is still on i've got to check um but yeah it's weird the number of people that like like i told one guy about the cdc numbers the other day um a regular at the store and he was like i don't know if i believe that and i was like it's the cdc who else are you gonna believe like worst case scenario and based on the response like there are people like you and me that are pretty much just like okay yeah like let's cool it a little bit and then everyone else like there are people that are offended at the idea that they would have to stay in for this thing did you see that one lady that was running for a school board somewhere that went to red robin no there was something on Twitter where, like, uh, t t AOC tweeted out something like, hey, young people, like, you should stay home, too, because, like, number one, you're the demographic that's not listening. Number two, you can still give it to old people, even if you're going to be fine. Um, and the lady was like, I, I just went to Red Robin, a fully packed Red Robin, and I had a my burger and I took my sweet fucking time because this is America and I can do what I want. And it was just like, t you will fucking like they talk about triggered like goddamn conservatives are snowflakes. yeah i mean we've effectively politicized the virus and i think that part of it is honestly as a result of the fact that donald trump sincerely thinks that anything that goes seriously wrong in his presidency uh can't have actually like gone wrong naturally uh he thinks that like it, it seems like he believes that he is so he's so convinced himself that he is good at his job, except when facing direct political opposition, 
that every opposition he faces must be directly political, which is why when the virus started, he was trying to downplay it. He was feeding suggestions that it was some sort of a democratic hoax or that the panic was some sort of a democratic hoax. And um, now you see he's taking a lot of fairly, I mean, I don't know if I'd call him drastic, but he's clearly taking it much more seriously in the last couple of days than he was, still not as seriously as he should be. But because that is his natural inclination, I think that's what has started a lot of his followers off on this train of thought, that this isn't something that we need to worry about, that the reasons we're being told to worry about it are somehow biased or uh, have a political agenda of their own, and that it doesn't need to be taken seriously. And unfortunately, um, if everybody took this seriously and did exactly what we were supposed to, there's a good chance that we could make it look like we never needed to take it seriously in the first place. It's only by acting a damn fool that um, we're going to kick this thing off in a way that will have serious, massive, negative ramifications. So... One half of me is like, you know what? Fuck around. Get the virus. Kill everybody. Make you look like a dumbass. And then the other half is, I I hope that we all behave and they look like they were right to begin with. And then they can make fun of me for, for, for giving a shit um, because nobody ended up dying. Even though it was because we gave a shit that nobody ended up dying, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah it's all I, sad. If I were a doctor and, like, if I were Trump's doctor, I'd be, like, fucking walking into the operating or not the, the fucking exam room being like just like singing solidarity for solidarity forever but in a very low-key sad sort of like uh, here we go you know yeah, i want I tom hanks to fly to dc and kiss mitch mcconnell on the mouth i do too and newt gingrich is in fucking italy that is choice oh boy did you hear about that no just he, Italy or Newt Gingrich? Newt, Newt Gingrich. He's like, his wife is the fucking ambassador to the Vatican or something. Um, and he wrote an op-ed that was like, guys, it's serious. Like, we have to do something. Um, and Ted Cruz retweeted it or something. And it's like, wow, I never thought the day would come that Newt Gingrich said anything I fucking, like, even remotely <laughs> think is reasonable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I I'm surprised that there hasn't already been a sci-fi property that was like because it's like the idea of a lingering disease that kind of puts like a life limit cap on humanity like doesn't affect children mostly doesn't affect adults gets a little more serious once you're above 80 like I, I'm surprised there hasn't been some sort of I don't know weird future sci-fi thing where it was like you know once we once you turn this age you're susceptible to this virus and that's it and it's I mean, just I've incurable some, i've seen some pretty choice dystopian yarns weaved by conspiracy theorists online like i was reading some shit two days ago that said someone who believed that um coronavirus wasn't real it was actually the result of all the 5g like cell towers that are being built and they're giving you cancer which by the way coronavirus and its effects and cancer and its effects not the same thing but that it was giving you cancer and that they were doing it and the government was actively doing it. I'm sorry, the New World Order was actively doing it so that they could then justify um, uh, releasing a mass vaccine once it's developed, which will help them, like, mind control the people or something. You know, mm -hmm. standard stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, don't think that, I don't think that that man has copyrighted, copywritten that Facebook comment. So if you want to get in on that script, you know. D yoink. Yoink.
Um, yeah, I saw some stuff about, and I think there's actually some, there was at least a case where two Chinese scientists that were working in Canada got caught smuggling something out. Um, there were a bunch of people saying, like, that was a strain of SARS that they brought back and, like, <laughs> were working on. Um, there was, my mom has a friend uh, who is a lawyer uh, who was saying that it was, like, a Chinese government thing like a bioweapon but for some reason it only targeted people of asian descent and so all the iranian people that died probably had like asian blood in them or something and i was like you're a lawyer like (laughs) you cannot be saying this um so yeah i don't know it's fucking it's interesting yeah i never wanted to live in interesting times but the times just keep getting more interesting more and more interesting not a fan yeah hell what am i gonna do with my week uh i don't know i keep you know i really just what i found out is i'm bad at watching tv because i am like me too i don't know there are certain things that i can watch like velvet buzzsaw i just sat there and watched fucking great but like for some reason i don't know what it is i think it might just be the aesthetic of twin peaks but like (laughs) i just hover away from it like my vision just like goes to whatever's directly to the right or left of the screen Uh, I understand. Uh, I understand completely. Look, no yeah. no issue that someone can tell me about watching Twin Peaks, or no even <laughs> any complaint that they could level at me about watching Twin Peaks, will be met with any sort of counter-argument. Alright? <laughs> All I have to say, Gabriel, is that I understand. Try your best. I like Twin Peaks. I, I like, I'm great. I'm, I'm glad point, to hear that. Barrett, I'm on board as a fan of Twin Peaks. It's just I haven't finished it because for some reason, I don't know. It just looks boring. Yes, I, that I is know. valid, and I and, understand what you're saying. In a way, though, that is like, and I think maybe that is partly intentional because it it seems like if you were, if I were in a movie and I were watching TV, like Twin Peaks looks like something that would be on the screen, just like totally vague totally boilerplate sort of like soft glowy 80s feel until the points when it's not at all like normal um and it just goes completely out the fucking window but like it looks like it i mean it feels to like it feels like lynch's red baudrillard just because it's like it seems like a fake tv show that is actually real i don't know there's a lot of that nowadays Nowadays, thanks to the power and magic and influence of Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. but I think David that, that is an important out. that's an important acknowledgement for you to make on your way towards perhaps understanding um, what the show really is. And I won't I won't say any more, but um, keep that in mind as you continue to move forward. And also, my uh, DVDs are currently I'm a Twin Peaks like library service. My DVDs are currently on loan to someone in Hayes, so take your time because I might not get them back for a minute. Okay, well, it's on Netflix. I've seen only not, seasons not the movies one and, and two. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. don't own season one and two on DVD because it's on Netflix, but I have season three and I have the movie. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. You'll get. Blade Runner is really good. I tell you, Velvet Buzzsaw. Have you seen that? Nope. Don't know what it is. Very good. You should watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal. Did you ever see Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler. Is that the one where he like follows things around with the camera? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if it is Jake Gyllenhaal. It's some guy. 
um, but it's the same director. It is about a an art critic, uh, and he's critiquing art, and someone he knows, like an intern or something, finds these paintings of this guy that died. Uh, just a recluse, lived in his apartment, never sold anything, published anything, anything. Um, ordered that his, all his paintings be destroyed upon his death. Um, and they start, and it's, everyone loves them. They're super good. They're fucking obsessed. And it's like a suspense kind of horror movie. Um, but I tweeted about it, and I'm, as you saw, but like, so much of it is just like, I don't know. It's very, it's a very pretty movie just because there are all these shots that like take place. Like one in particular is like over the mountains that are just outside of Los Angeles. There's all these just like white space. It's like the costume design, like the fashion that people are wearing is like cool and interesting. All the cars are super nice. Um, and so it feel like it's super put on it just in terms of how it feels and the way people talk. And then like John Malkovich is in it and he has just a yeah. couple lines that are just like, super fucking good and they're just like floor you and you're like i like it is it seems like it could be an accident of a netflix production that it looks like super glitzy and well polished and everything but like all these lines come through that you're just like okay whoever did this knows what the fuck they're doing like it's 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 super good maybe i'll check I'm it out during my week off yeah i yeah, haven't watched I a movie in since like fucking star wars and like i haven't sat down in front of a television and watched a movie in a while uh, it's so hard for me to do anymore but i will really try it with this i promise yeah yeah i don't think you'll have to try that hard just because i was i remember like i've only seen it twice and i rewatched it really recently but i want to rewatch it right now and try and figure out how quickly i decided i was gonna i liked it because it was it was fairly early on <laughs> i was pretty immediately like oh okay this is good cool so yeah i recommend it yeah all right and it's probably my favorite making Netflix a decision film. to put aside i assume it's like two hours long uh of my something day. like that for some reason i can fucking just i can demolish four hours of my day doing something doing the same thing if that same thing is structured in a way that it gives me the opportunity to get out every few minutes so, like, if I'm playing mm -hmm. some stupid fighting game with Max and Derek all night, because I can theoretically leave after any round, I feel totally comfortable doing it for four hours. But if I have to sit down and be like, okay, this movie is going to be the next two hours of my life, or, like, no no questions, no choice, then I can't... It's, sort of, it's a very difficult thing for me to feel like doing. I, I seriously... That is why I don't, like, really play video games anymore. Because every video game takes more than like 10 minutes to play and i'm like i don't want to like sit I yeah. gotta, like sit here fighting games man have friends that's all i can do yeah well big ass <laughs> i just gotta get i don't want to get into this do you know anybody in kansas city not really no um i mean slumpy's here we were supposed to get a drink uh like a couple weekends ago but something happened and we just didn't reschedule um but not really no i mean i you go to a mechanic along. school yeah I, I get it weird probably weird crowd for you but you know um i'm definitely like the most outspoken one there and like there have really because like i mean the last instructor i had decker was like pretty reasonable conservative at one point he was like 
he like kind of like he wasn't like i would never vote for a gay man but he was like just talking about how he couldn't really see himself voting for a man with a husband or something um and some one other army guy was like negative ghost rider like agreeing with him and i was like what about a president that raw dogged a porn star after his fifth <laughs> kid with his third wife um and he was thought about it for a second and he was like i would have done it um and oh like <laughs> i mean like there's not like i don't know for some reason i haven't gotten like that much pushback from the other students i think i just haven't been in the right classes but like this libertarian guy i can re- every three days i can kill probably 45 minutes worth of class time or maybe an hour just by like getting him to talk and then being like well what about this like no 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 that doesn't work like da 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 um so i don't know i talk a lot that's how i like to handle those interactions a lot nowadays is instead of engaging with them from a position where they will be able to immediately apply like a a label of someone who's ideologically opposed to them like oh enemy i can just start hurling at you all of my uh my meme talking points about why what i think you believe is wrong instead of allowing them to do that by coming out the gate with like my own standpoint I just start to ask them questions that are based on little holes that are easily identified in their arguments. Just ask them questions and lead them along until they get to a point where they can't say anything anymore. And that way, they think they like to give them the impression that I'm just someone who's genuinely curious about how they would answer a certain issue that I seem to have identified without asserting that I myself hold any standpoint at all. Because it keeps them from coming at it from a place of attacking and it forces them to basically walk back their own faulty logic, uh, hopefully if it goes well into some kind of a hole. Yeah, play the defense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's and... what I want to do with this alt Twitter account for TPUSA, but the thing is, my TPUSA branch apparently never fucking tweets anything, so I don't get any fodder to start. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing about... Because the, the, the guy I've got now, he was homeschooled, and I think really the biggest thing is he's just never had anyone like question him because like we were talking about uh like water rights at one point and i was like you know like i don't believe that people should be able to like own water and he was like why not like if they put the well there and they put in the work they should be able to own it and i was like yeah but like that level of yada 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 if every corporation owns a well then what happens and i was like and he was like well then everyone gets together with pitchforks and i was like that is what government is (laughs) like you just the only step you took out was like organizing and getting together like that that's that's what a government is um and a couple days later like he he made some he was we kind of he touched on it again where he was like well maybe not the like if that's the only well in the area and i'm like it's not a situation where they own the only well it's a situation where they own every well that's what the Koch brothers want that's neo-feudalism like all properties owned by corporations and you work here as a like a fee like a, a surf you know um and so like he's getting better about it i just have to start like i don't know introducing a more structured overarching deal (laughs) yeah i like that he's become a project of yours yeah because like libertarians dude like i've got i've I've got so many questions Oh, don't get me started i mean we we built this brand on on not liking libertarians okay (laughs) yeah yeah we we could do another fucking 45 minutes on libertarians if we wanted to yeah we we absolutely could my my next thing is like 
so like he doesn't believe in like a welfare state at all no social security he's like people don't have a right to health like he doesn't believe that um but the guy that invented the pet rock is one of his heroes because like he found like a hole in the system and so like my line of questioning is like you either earn your right to live by contributing to society or you have an inherent right to live in which case the guy that invented the pet rock is useless and like doesn't deserve any of what he's contributed because he's contributed nothing unless you consider duping people and exploiting the system as like a benefit to society like i'm so curious about what that logic looks like like how the the pet rock guy is your hero i'm not sure what that's I telling mean, of, that... but it's certainly telling no, yeah, that's fascinating. I think that there's an argument you could make for why he has contributed to, the society, to society and the benefits of duping the system, quote-unquote. I don't know that I'd use the pet rock guy as an example, but I can also say safely and soundly that that is not the standpoint from which this man is coming. Right, and like, I mean, in a, in a vermin supreme kind of way, yeah, where it's just like parody of itself, you know? But Yeah, or even in like a Takashi Murakami kind of way. I mean, they're... There are figures that, in a similar respect, I have a tremendous amount of respect for in their own fields, but um, the conclusions that I take from it aren't whatever the hell this wacko's on about. Yeah. I don't know. This guy. This, this fucking guy. This fucking libs. TFG. TFG. Um... Yeah, we gotta I, start putting these. We gotta start putting these episodes out, man. We we are dating ourselves with these conversations. And yeah, we need to that's, stay on task. That's a big problem. Um, this will still, as far as I know, be if we get this one together. This will be the only usable episode we have. I'm not sure what I mean, happened. Are to the, the other first ones? One. Oh, it's just gone. I think it got lost somehow. What I don't did know. we name the show? Did you? Did, that was my question. Did you send me? Oh, I definitely didn't send you one of those okay yeah so that it still exists i could find i can open up the old laptop and get that to you um yeah what is our show called now helen helen thank unless you. you want to change okay. it i couldn't remember that was your suggestion no i like helen i like okay. helen um i've done a very bad job of remaining even remotely anonymous through the things that i say and the names that i use we have a <laughs> game plan for that uh yeah, okay, let's, on our, on our own time, let's think up some fake names and fake identities. Um, but for yeah. now, for what is already in stone, can we have a, a very gentle and soft, like, audio replacement plan? Something that's not like, because that sucks. But can you just, like, I don't know. I, I know that that's asking a lot on the editing, like, well, a lot by our current standards. Um, on the editing front from you but um yeah i'll do my best we will i don't know what the first i think we we're pretty good about the first episode that you uh can send me this one yeah i'll go <laughs> i'll fix it um i mean if if it gets bad bad here in the next week or two then i'll have plenty of time so cool all right all right i'm hitting stop yeah me too this is fun.